One thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. When? When? What are we waiting for? Take this! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 67. My guest today is my buddy Scott Steen, a longtime buddy from Kansas City. And uh, how you doing, Scott? I'm doing well, Tim. How are you? I'm good, man. 67 episodes, dude. That's that's a lot. I know. And uh, it's funny. I... You know, when I started this, I never really wanted to do a podcast. My my friend John Sheezer was kind of my co-host, and uh, when I'm in California, he he so he's like, ah, oh, it's a great idea, and you're gonna blah blah blah, and and now it's kind of I, I enjoy it, but uh, it's a little stressful sometimes. Like you do a lot of these, right? I do, I do, uh, but it, mine's mine's like very different, man. I just I just do uh, like a, a sports pick show where I go through every day and do all the games and have guests on and. I don't actually have to be funny. I just have to be. Uh, I just have to guess who's going to win the game. Yeah. Otherwise, people are mad at me. So. But I bet you're still funny. It's it's hard to turn off, man. It's when you when you've been a smart ass for as long as I have. It's <laughs> you can't just flip the switch, dude. As you well know. Yeah, yeah. You're you're one of the best smart asses there are, though. Well, thanks. That's uh, quite a compliment. Do you, do you remember we were, uh, Scott used to run the. Uh, I don't know how long I've been doing comedy when you took over uh, running the open mic. Yeah, I've, do you remember how? Um, when did you start? I started in December of '98. Okay, so I took over open mic when I got back from LA, probably uh, 2002, 2003, right around, right around in there. Okay, so I had been at it two or three years. I was probably featuring and stuff like that. Already. Right, I think that's right. I actually started in January of '99. I graduated college in December of '98, and I started doing comedy in December, January of '99. So almost three weeks after I graduated is when I started, and. Uh, Burgess, Brian Burgess, who was supposed to be on this, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I used to go and just watch the open mic, and the first two or three times I just went and watched, and I got a lot of confidence just by watching those guys, because I was like, well, no matter how bad I am, not going to be not, worse than those guys, I'm not going to be as bad as some of these fuckers, <laughs> right, and, uh, but then Burgess went up, and I've never laughed so hard in 15 minutes in my life, because he did like 15 minutes, and first of all, I was thinking, is this guy an open micer? There's no fucking way this guy's an open micer. <laughs> and then when he was done, I, I I looked at my brother after I wiped the tears out of my eyes, and and I'm hard to make laugh, and he just killed me with his perfect ass timing, and uh, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's how funny I'd like to be. Right. And uh, we all would. Yeah. I I, I just had uh, Steve Kramer on last week, and and we were talking about the old days and all that, and. I wrote this long Facebook post about Stanford's closing and 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 all that, and it's been dying for years. I mean, I I told somebody it was like uh, it was like somebody that's been in a coma ten years finally passed away. Yeah, yeah. You're like, God, that guy wasn't dead yet, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, they're uh, they they did just close, but they've been a long time since their uh, since their glory days for sure. Well, I'm getting more and more sentimental every every year. It seems like, and I was. I was reading the post that I wrote to my wife, and it almost made me tear up just thinking about, like, Westport and all that shit and how it's... Not only that is dead, Westport's been dead for a while, but um, just thinking about all the memories of that little era, you know? I mean, there's... I I met my wife um, the second time I did comedy. I, I came back to... I did open mic, and I came back to do my next open mic, and I met I met my wife there, so... My comedy career almost dovetails exactly runs consecutively with my with my uh, with my co- with my comedy career with my wife. So, yeah, it's I, I definitely get it, man. I yeah, you go to Westport and I can remember all the spots where you did this and that and yeah, you know, there's well, of course there's puking and fighting too, but you know there's good there's good memories there yeah as well yeah, and it's it's easy to especially you know crap on the Glaciers and some of the stuff they did, but. You have to look past that stuff and just remember all the the freaking memories there. And it wasn't like it wasn't like if you started out at an improv or a funny bone or a you know like a 
a nice normal club where they pay you and treat you correctly and all that. Oh no, it wasn't like that at all. No, it was <laughs> it was almost like a a clubhouse. It was almost like being a kid and that being a clubhouse and like you got kicked out of the clubhouse every now and again and then you got to come back and Yeah. I, everyone every comic worth of shit has been banned there at least once or twice. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and come back like the next week and uh I was talking on the podcast about how I literally almost got into a fist fight with Jeff Glazier one time. One of the last few times I worked there. They'd shorted me on my check like 200 bucks and uh and he was like, what do you do when this happens at other clubs? And I was like, it doesn't happen at other clubs. I've been doing this for 16 years, and you're the only guys that have tried to screw me on my money at the end of the week. You're the only ones. Right. And he's like, ah, bullshit. <laughs> I must suck to find out you're the only sleazebag. I thought we were just in the sleazy business. No, dude, you are the sleazy business. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've had I've had guys. Have had guys try to pay you in Coke? Did no, you ever? Did you ever start, no, that was a little before my. I was going to say, yeah, dude, that's probably a little bit before. Yeah, before because I started. I oh, Jesus, I started in uh, 80, 86. Oh wow! Right, I went. I went up for the for, for the first time, and uh, yeah, I was on the road. I was on the road really quick. Um, looking back, because I had a, I had a I had a crazy mentor. Uh, I don't know if you remember Frankie Bastille. Uh, I remember that I I know the name probably and, the stories and I know that he's a few people's mentor like great dude right yeah yeah and that was kind of his deal he would he would pick out guys and and, and take them under his wing and uh, there's a few guys like that around um, not just in Kansas City but around the country as well because he yeah. didn't he didn't stay in one place very often yeah <laughs> so Bastille kind of felt the need to move yeah but he was a good cat man he uh, he was funny so anyway yeah he took me out on the road and said well if you quit your job. Uh, I can I can get you work. You come with me. I'll have you work. You know for the next four, eight weeks straight. Wow. And uh, I was in management at AT and T, uh, using my college degree like a you know like you're supposed to. Yeah. And um, yeah, I quit and thrilled thrilled my parents. They were uh, <laughs> they were super impressed with that. And yeah, I went on on the road with a uh, with Bastille, who was a uh, lifelong well not completely lifelong, but for the most part of his adult life a heroin addict. Oh yeah. So I learned. Uh, I learned where to score uh, Dilaudid and heroin in uh, probably 30 to 35 major countries across, <laughs> or ma major cities across the country. You know, I never got harder than, I mean, I've done a, I've, I've done a fair amount of drugs, and I've dabbled in a few things. I've done coke a handful of times, and mushrooms a handful of times, and did acid a couple times in high school and all that. But pop, but other than that. <laughs> but, but I never got, like, hardcore on anything. I just, you know, right. tried it a few times. But pot, I was always, I was a huge, huge pothead. <laughs> I haven't smoked for quite a while now, but um, but I always knew where to. Uh, if you didn't have pot and you were on the road, um, you always went to the dishwasher because right the dishwasher always had weed. You can't wash dishes for a living and not have weed. <laughs> and not have and not be high. <laughs> no, that's that is definitely not a job for straight people. Yeah, so I would just get, if I was really desperate enough, I'd just go in the kitchen and find the dishwasher and be like, "Hey, man, you know, I can get the weed." And be like, "How much you need?" <laughs> You know, speaking of weed uh, and Raytown, which is where we're at right now, um, Scott's house in Raytown. I'm on my way to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, which is like a whole town of Raytown. What's that? Springfield. It's like it's like a much bigger Raytown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Springfield's a great little city. Have you been there? You've uh, been there. Yeah, I've, I used to work the. Uh, now, what was the one where they had with the pool with the pool hall there? Um, um, Sir Laughs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, dude, I love that club. They would they would pack that motherfucker on <laughs> Friday and Saturday nights and. Uh, yeah, that was a cool club. I did that three or four times. That's the only club that ever tried to charge me for bottled water. Outstanding. Yeah. At the end of the week, they were like, you owe us $11. And I was like, for what? I haven't even been drinking this week. And they were like, you had four bottled waters. And I, <laughs> and I go, I'm sorry, but I'm not paying you. I'm not headlining your club and paying for bottled water. I'm just not doing it. On general principle, I won't fucking do it. Right. I'll, I'll be, I've been tipping you on every water you've gotten me. And I thought you were just giving. I, I could have. He could have given it to me out of the gun. It would have been fine. I didn't need a bottle of it. And if I'd known you were charging me for it, I was like, I could have a million dollars in the bank, and I wouldn't pay you for fucking bottle. Especially retail and headline your club. Well, you and, couldn't give it to me for a buck a bottle. You got to give me fucking full lug on it. Come on. <laughs> but, All right. So anyway, dude, you're in Raytown. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, Springfield's an awesome little town, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to the Blue Room Comedy Club, which is where they have the. That's the club they have there now, and. Uh, 
it's a just a great little little room and uh but what when i was driving out here free water free water fuck yeah all you want baby with ice <laughs> god damn yeah you are a headliner thanks man <laughs> <laughs> but driving out here i remind it reminded me of there used to be this guy that came into the overland park stanford's all the time and he always reeked of weed and not just like smoking weed he reeked of like he grew it or something uh, like, just like came, came out, out of his, his pores came out of his pores right and uh and come to find out he came up to me after one of my shows and he was like hey man you're really funny you uh you you smoke weed and I'm like yeah like a religion and uh and he was like okay well uh I grow it and he grew some really good pot and you might even know this guy I'm not going to mention his name but um so long story short I started buying pot off this guy and I would get like these ounces for like really cheap and I started selling just enough to pay for your habit to pay for my little habit right right and uh one day I'd bought like I had bought like two ounces or something and he he only had an ounce so he gave me an ounce and he owed me like he owed me another one but I paid for it all up front and all of a sudden he stopped returning my calls and uh he stopped returning my calls and 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 he still owed me this ounce of weed, and I was getting pissed off at it. And I was also like, you know, I need my weed, man. <laughs> you know, right? And this is back when I wasn't, you know. I mean, sure, I've lost a friend, but you know, <laughs> fuck that guy. I need, I need, I need weed. <laughs> and uh, so it had been like a month or two, and I'd forget about it, and then I'd remember, like, oh yeah, that guy owes me a lot of pot. And I was driving from uh, St. Louis, I think, or Columbia. Missouri or somewhere, and I, I was out of weed, which rarely happened to me. Right. And uh, so I stopped, and I and I'm not proud of this, but I I, I got a I got a beer like a 16 ounce tall boy or something, and I you know, drinking it out of a bag and <laughs> driving home, and I I drink that beer, and it you know the first one's pretty good, so at the next gas station I stop and I get another one. <laughs> and by the time I got to that second 16 or 20 ounce beer or whatever it was. I was your, pretty, tall, your tall boy tour. Yeah. <laughs> By the time I got to the bottom of that second one, I was pretty pissed off about my weed. Right. All of a sudden, it dawned on me that motherfucker still owes me an ounce of pot, and I want it. So I called him one more time, and he didn't answer. And then I called him back, and I was like, "Hey, man, you've been ignoring me for like a month now. And have you ever heard of four seven four tips, motherfucker? Because you're about to." <laughs> Like, nice. I am. I want my goddamn weed. I'm so sick of this shit. You just keep ignoring me. Taking the high road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was in my probably late twenties. I had a. You're a little scrappy. Uh, yeah. I don't know your 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 crowd. Your audience knows you now. There's a there's a scrappy Tim. I know you're probably still pretty scrappy, but you're fucking. You got pretty goddamn scrappy down there. Yeah. I I I had a temper sometimes especially if i was drinking and uh i never knew a wrestler that wasn't fucking scrappy dude yeah it wouldn't fight you anywhere anytime <laughs> anybody i don't give a shit you wrestled 105 pounds or whatever the fuck it is muhammad ali comes in like i'll take him i'll take that motherfucker right now he owes me weed <laughs> so so i leave this this threatening message and uh come to find out uh and though then like a week or two later the DEA kicks this guy's door in, and uh, and he got in some he got in some trouble and blah 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 and and he, and then he thought it was me. He thought I had ratted him out. Well, that and, that and, is a coincidence. Well, yeah, it was a total coincidence because <coughs> I absolutely didn't rat him out, and I never would. I was just talking shit. Right. But the guy was the guy was very cavalier about what he did, and I mean, he always reeked of it. He would tell anybody about it. He was practically handing out business cards saying, "I sell weed." So free sample. Free sample. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would give samples. I mean, he was the worst drug dealer in history, is what he was right. when it came to being on the down low. So I promised, I swear to God, it wasn't me. I would never do that. But I did threaten, and then two weeks later, the shit happened. And then he finally got a hold of me. Uh, I heard through somebody that that happened with the DEA, and then he finally got a hold of me, and he was like, hey, man, uh, just want to tell you that uh, the reason that I ignored you for so long is because I had a heart attack. <laughs> so I'm like, are you shitting me? And he's like, no, dude, I'm very sorry. And because I was just floored by why he wasn't getting back to me. He was a nice guy, and right? All this shit. Um, 
so then I lessen this threatening message. Then he finds out. Then he has a heart attack, and then the DE kicks it in his door, and he's like, and then. And then after this, he still sold me pot. Oh, my God, dude. Like, he met me out here and gave me the ounce he owed me, and I bought another one from him, and he explained to me what happened. He's like, yeah, my wife didn't want me to do this because she thinks you're the one who got the DEA call on us. I'm like, I swear to God, I didn't I didn't do that. I would never do that to you and your family, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I believe you. I wouldn't be sitting here in your car right now. But I was pretty nervous when he came to deliver that. I was going to say, dude, just uh, <laughs> take take one of the, take take one from behind the fucking head on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I was... looking for I look for Abe Vigoda sitting behind me in the car. <laughs> Got the piano wire out and shit. But I hadn't thought about that in years until uh, until I was driving out here today, and I wonder if that guy's still alive. He might not. Be. As you're telling the story, I'm trying to guess whether it's cops or dead. What do you say? He wouldn't call you back. I'm trying to guess if he was busted or dead. So it was, it was heart attack. Yeah, I don't know. And it was before the days where you could text somebody and go, heart attack, dude. Or just, you know, a little icon of a fucking broken heart or whatever the fucking kids <laughs> send down. <laughs> just like me and then a, a fucking broken heart. Yeah. So anyway. That's, that's cool. Yeah, good time. I think everybody probably has a Raytown weed story. Yeah. Uh, that's uh it's a it's a classy place. It's he even when we get off the when we get off the podcast here, I'll I'll tell you what his name was. And he I do think he had a fucking business card, and uh, <laughs> and it said like it, it had the it was a very weedish name on there. It wasn't like his real name. It was in in anyway. Um, I'll tell you about it when we get off here. I don't want I I don't want to further complicate that guy's life. What was it Bud Flowers? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty similar. <laughs> Scratch and sniff, and you, you fucking you, you scratch off the leaf, and it fucking smells like weed. <laughs> so stay, stay classy, bud. So Frankie Bastille <laughs> uh, was able to take you on the road. See, nowadays you can't you can't really do that. Like people are always trying to get me to to take them on the road, and and hey man, can I come feature for you? And I'm like, I would love to, but there's a few clubs that I can do it at, but most clubs don't want to put feature acts up anymore they've learned that they can save twenty five thousand dollars a year or whatever right not putting the feature in a hotel so now they'll just get four or five guys to do a guest spot from in town and so many comics will do it for free that they don't you know think about the fact that they're screwing up the business slowly but surely yeah Um, it's 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 awful man in kc my uh i don't know if you know my, my daughter did comedy for a while okay she started out of nowhere, she got the bug to just start doing open mic. Was this and, recently? Yeah, within the last. Uh, in fact, she's just kind of slowed down here in the last six months or so as school's okay. gotten more intense. But um, and she did it for about a year. So I, of course, got drugged to what I would call open mic, but it was really just showcases, you know, around town because no, you know, no, they, nobody does it at clubs. You know, we had like one, cl- one and a half clubs with the Improv and Stanford's. Yeah. So everybody's just out there hustling. To see whatever bar they can get that'll put up, you know, mm-hmm. ten or twelve comics, and these guys, you know, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to be that old man guy, but these these kids are awful, dude. And they've been doing it, you know, you like, well, how long has the guy been doing? It? Six, eight months, and he's been doing it seven years. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, back in our day, um, you know, seriously, I mean, if you weren't making money within a year or two, you fucking did something else. Yeah. You figured out comedy wasn't for you. Yeah. And that was one of the things, you know, running open mic night, I, you know, I, some, I had that conversation with guys. You know, they'd, well, what do you think? Like, I don't think you got it. I don't, And it's hard to do. Yeah. Because it's their dream or whatever, you know, and they picture themselves and, but you're wasting everybody's time. And when I ran it, I, I thought those guys were like stealing stage time. Yeah. From guys that actually had a future. Right. So... But nobody's around to give tough love to these fuckers. Yeah. Nobody's around to say, look, you're just not funny. There's no Simon Cowles out there. Yeah. And, you know, I've toyed with the idea of, like, teaching comedy. Mm-hmm. I've toyed with the idea of working with some of these guys. And at the end of the day, I, I just don't, I don't want to. I just, I, I just don't have the, I just don't have it in me anymore to, to work with all these guys. Yeah, it never ceases to amaze me how many unfunny people want to do stand-up comedy. And I'm like, have you ever been funny? Ever like at a business party, right? Or, or your school or anything like you, 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 you. Has anybody you, besides your mom ever ever told you? Well, you're really funny. <laughs> yeah, a funny person can be taught stand up, but even then, it's fucking hard. Yes, and it, it never ceased to amaze me how many people that just weren't funny <coughs> on any <coughs> level 
that were trying to do stand-up. And I'm like, man, this shit is hard if you're naturally talented. Absolutely. Much less having no ability. There was always people at Open Mic that, I mean, they would do the same three minutes every fucking Monday, and they never got laughs. It was like they were so proud of that three minutes they had written, even though it sucked. <laughs> I know, dude. I, it's just... <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm just old man ranting here when I when I think about how it used to be. But you know, and you talk about I don't know who was in your class, but I had man, I had a lot of funny cats that came up. You know, and I call my class like anybody started within six eight months within this like I had uh, and, I'm, and I know I'm going to leave people out, but I had um, uh, Jason Dixon, Andre Kelly, uh, Franco, Nick Griffin. Nick Griffin started the week after I did. Wow. Um, you know, Lighter was kind of in that class. Nelson was kind of in that class, although they were a little bit ahead of me. Um, and again, I know there's guys I'm leaving out, but uh, you get people that you know made a living doing stand up. Yeah. You know, and nowadays, you know, you don't have anybody that's fucking making a living. It's 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 getting harder all the time instead of easier. You know, at, at this point in my career, it should be easier and not harder. But you just made it in under the wire, dude. You just got established and you became a, a, a genuine headliner. Just in time, yeah. Because you know, I anybody anybody right now that would ask me is like, should I do comedy? I was no. Yeah. There's no there's no path, or there's a, such a narrow. I guess if you want to be a YouTube sensation, or the path is just different. Yeah. But yeah, bang the days of banging at the clubs. Uh, yeah, that shit's over. Well, yeah, when I started, it was all about you. You you would start emceeing. And then once you got good at that, you would ask the club to move you up to feature next time and then to headliner. And it was just about, it was about progression and getting better at stand-up. And you didn't get moved up until you were ready to move up. And now, I sound like the old guy, but nowadays, people have a following before they actually know how to do stand-up. You know what I mean? That's just bizarre to it's me. It's fucked up because it's, it's fucking up business is what it's doing. Because right. now people come to a show... And let's let's say it's a YouTube sensation, and they've got all this, uh, they've got all these followers on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, but they don't know how to do stand up. It's a completely different thing. So these people, they'll pack the club two or three or four or five times, and then the people will come and they'll spend twenty five bucks, and the show sucks because they don't know what they're doing. And then they're like, well, why should I pay fifteen bucks to see Tim Gaither when I paid twenty five to see this? famous guy right and he was terrible right you know it and and you, you just want to scream because this guy has been i've you know me or anybody in my position has been learning how to do this and getting better at it over the course of almost two decades now and it takes a long fucking time to get good at it this lady in vegas was like why do you think young comedians aren't very good these days and i was like well part of its experience and part of it's because of that social media thing they've learned how to get good at their phone, but they don't know how to do that. Right. And that is a completely different thing. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So I can't imagine what it was like to, to have to tell people, well, the biggest problem with your stand-up is that you're not funny. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you, and I was kind of, I, I was, I tried not to be a dick yeah. when I was running open mic night, but I was always, I was always honest. Yeah. What'd you think of my set? Um, I think you're going to make a great carpenter. That's what I think of your fucking set. Um, but then, but on the other hand, there were guys like Baldwin, like Mike Baldwin, yeah, who's a legitimate uh, a room headliner now, right? That never got a laugh or got very very few laughs for like the first, and he'll tell you it was six months. It's actually probably closer to two years, really, that he did open <laughs> mic night. But you could see it, yeah. You could see that he got it. Yeah. He had that. He had that deadpan character. He knew how to write a joke. He knew how to twist. You like, dude. When you figure this out and put it all together, you're going to be really good. Yeah. And eventually, he did. Yeah. So there's guys like that, but it takes it takes somebody with some with uh, some background and some experience to be able to tell the difference, right? You know, because now you know people would say, well, you know, Baldwin was, you know, blah blah blah. Well, yeah, but he was fucking funny. He yeah. He got it. You yeah. don't get it. You've been yeah. doing this. Six or seven years, you still don't understand it. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I was, I was really torn when my daughter started doing stand up because you know at one at one point I'm proud of her. Right. Um, she actually wrote some good jokes. She was funny. She's very dirty. Just fucking. 
oh, made a dad so proud. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, wait till you, I know you got a son coming. Yeah. So that's like a practice kid. So where do you get, a, where do you get a daughter? Where do you, where do you get the daughters? And the, and they, and then the guys start sniffing around or yeah. your daughter starts telling jokes about uh, how she likes dick pics. Uh. Um, oh, it swells my heart. But, uh, so yeah, dude, I was really torn. Because you know she and she's in school right now. She's doing she's doing a dual program where she's going to have a, at the end of the, the time she's going to have her uh, she's going to have her law degree and she's going to have a, an MBA. She's doing a seven year program at MKC and uh, she's like I I really just want to go on the road. Like you're out of your fucking mind. She does or doesn't? She's she's well she wanted to. I know okay. she wanted to make a living out of doing stand up. Yeah. Like you're you're dumber than your dad. <laughs> you, you you have a future and she's got a kid. Yeah. So like no, just stop. Yeah, and so eventually, yeah, she got tired of, uh, and she got fucked by uh, surprise. She got fucked by Stanford's on money. Really? Yeah, it was only like you know, for thirty bucks, or she and she of course she did a whole week. Yeah, she did. Uh, uh, they did a, like a all star comedy extravaganza where they bring right. in you know uh, Merritt, who's actually funny. Yeah, and has a little bit of experience. So Merritt was the uh, ostensibly the headliner, and then they'd bring in like six people at, at my daughter's level who could maybe put together seven minutes. Okay. And they paid them maybe 7,500 bucks for the week or whatever. Yeah. And of course they shorted her. Yeah. They shorted her, I think 35, 40 bucks. I'm like, God damn. Yeah. Uh, way to go, Jeff. Consistency is important. Yeah. Well, that was like their business model for many years. Like, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know what the number would be on the, the MCs and features and all that. They got, Screwed out of 25 here and there. But I said this on my post. I was like, I would go and talk, and, and they would tell me, they would talk to me till they were blue in the face about, well, Tim, the reason we screwed you, the reason you're not getting, the reason, it's like Applebee's. And he'd just say some shit that you were like, what are you talking about right now? But I would just stand there forever. And finally he'd go, fuck it, cut him a check. God damn. I mean. <laughs> I'll take cash. Cut me a fucking check. Yeah, I was like, cut me a check. It's $25. But but to Jeff's credit, he, in the last couple of years of his life, every time I saw him, of course, I, I had to threaten him and his manager. We were at Legends, and they were that, that $200 night, and the guy said something, his manager said something to the effect of he would physically move me out of there, and I walked into the middle of the... Of the uh, the little bar area and I was like let's go motherfucker I took off my jacket and it it, it got ugly and still but, scrappy but then I worked there for two or three times after that right and I, and I called Jeff and I was like hey man I'm sorry it came to that and I didn't blah 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 and he's like yeah you know the the good thing about them is that they were so dysfunctional that you could almost fight them and two months later, you could call him and he'd be like, it's okay. You know, I mean. I, I doubt they remembered. I mean, probably the most time they don't fucking remember. <laughs> there was probably some element uh, to that also. But anyway, it's it's sad to me that it's all over. And uh, Yeah, dude, it was, it, was, it was awful. It was dysfunctional. And I wouldn't trade those years for anything, no, man. for it was, nothing. It was the best. And, and, man, you bonded. Because you, you bonded with your boys over <laughs> fucking getting fucked by Stanford's. Yeah. And every generation, man, every class has their own stories, and 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 getting to sit at that back table, you know, at, especially in the Westport Club, we'd sit back there, and once you once you got once you were able to sit at that table, you knew you would kind of. It was like doing panel with Johnny. Yeah, you you, you'd kind of make it. You'd kind of made it on the open mic scene. Or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Absolutely. And every now and again, Burgess would sit back there, and and if a comic could hold the mic cord, you could hear Burgess go. Feelings, <laughs> nothing more than feelings. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I so wish he was here, man. Uh, he, uh, he fears technology like no one since Ted Kaczynski. I'm, su I'm surprised he doesn't live in a shack in the middle of the fucking woods. He thought uh, by appearing on your podcast, you know, because you don't have Facebook, you don't have Facebook, you're not on right. Twitter or any of that shit. Uh, he thought by doing it on your podcast that immediately everyone that he was in the third grade with. Would start contacting him. Yeah. Hey, what have you been doing since the third grade? <laughs> and he's telling the story. He's like, well, first of all, I went to the fourth grade, and that was great. <laughs> and I, obviously, I don't do the story justice, but uh, he would be, uh, you, you got to stay at him, dude. Next time you're in town, yeah, we, we got to do the full frontal assault. I had him talked into it, and then uh, 
is, is this sketchy story about his air conditioning going out. I guess I believe it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we give him a pass one time, but next time you got to have Burgess on there. Well, I want to. I told yesterday he he, <laughs> he called me after you told me that he couldn't be on the podcast, and uh, first of all, when you told me Burgess is down, I was like, really? Like I was thinking to myself, like I can't. Burgess wants to do it. Like I I threw it out there because I'd love to have him on, but I never thought in a million fucking years he would agree I was surprised to it. myself. And then when you called me uh, yesterday, I was like, I knew what it was. I knew what it was about. I knew Burgess had fucking sold out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Started getting closer to showtime, and he's figured getting cold cold feet. No question about it, man. That's exactly what happened. And, and so that's why I wasn't even, like, mad or disappointed. I was just like, oh. Well, I was kind of waiting for this call. <laughs> who had uh, who had Burgess not doing the show? <laughs> Fucking cash those tickets. So instead, I took my nephews to the pool, and and it was fun. But I, you know, we're sitting here in these. This is the most relaxed, kick-ass podcast I've done probably because we're sitting in these chairs. We're just like like these movie-style theater chairs, and. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look look at you, and I, it's hard because my neck is fucked up. Right, I, went, I went down this slide yesterday, okay, and it beat the shit out of me. I had fun until the very last time down the slide, and it and it fucked up my neck. What pool did you go to? Uh, it was over. It's in Gardner. It's called the Gardner Aquatic Center. Okay, so it's not like it wasn't like an apartment pool or something. No, they actually no. had like fancy slides. Yeah, and, fancy slides. Like, and, how do you fuck your neck, neck up on an eight foot slide? Yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty damn fast these slides and it was a lot of fun until the very last time I went down I was like I'm gonna go down one more time and I fucked up my neck and then I was in the shower and my neck was killing me and I was like this is fucking Burgess's fault <laughs> we're supposed God. to be doing a podcast I wasn't even supposed to be at the pool <laughs> god damn it and now my neck is killing me because Burgess is a goddamn sellout yeah but, yeah you should yeah you should call Burgess and go thanks for the sore neck fucker <laughs> he called me yesterday though after I got off the phone with you and and I had to, I was heading to the pool with my nephew, so I couldn't talk to him, but for a few minutes. But it was uh, it was good to just hear his voice. I mean, that guy was more of an influence on me than than just about anybody in this business. Well, and, and, he, uh, and he asked me, he's like, "Why should why, why should I do it? Why should I do a fucking podcast?" I go, "Well, dude, if you're if you're on Facebook like a normal human being, you would have read this very nice thing that Tim posted about you about how you were an influence and how you taught him the right way to do comedy." Uh, <laughs> so, and then when I talked to him yesterday, I'm like, dude, you could at least like text the dude back when he texts you. Like, I never got any text from him. Like, well, here, fucking, he goes, let me have his number. Well, so that's why I, I gave him your number because he swears he never got the text that went unanswered. Well, in all fairness, I I texted the <laughs> wrong person. Oh, I I. I uh, I thought I had the right number, and I text. So I texted some random stranger this in New like, York. This like four paragraph text about how you know I was feeling sentimental after a show or something, and I'd just gotten his number. So I sent him this long message telling him how much I appreciated all the shit that he taught me, whether he realized it or not. So some random dickhead got this long, drawn out, sentimental text, and. The prick didn't even bother to respond like, this is the wrong guy. He just let me keep rambling. <laughs> Somebody know? named Tony in Brooklyn's probably getting a big fucking kick out of your shit about now. <laughs> He's like, look at his fag over here. Yeah, what, you, what are you, about a half a fag? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like a kind of sentimental, like... Right. And uh, so anyway, I, I resent them all yesterday to Burgess, like, this is what I sent you, and... Uh, uh, and it, you know, right? I wrote him like four paragraphs, and he writes back, "Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I'm gonna go blush now." And I'm like, "You're a fucking asshole." <laughs> yeah, know. it's funny because you know Burgess has been an old man for like 30 years now, right? And now that he's actually an old man, it's even funnier to watch. How old is Brian? He- uh, 60. Oh wow. Yeah, man. the big, the big six zero. Yeah. And you know, he spends most of his time uh, when he's not. He works two nights a week, two nights a week at, at the bar. Yeah. And. Other than that, he gallivants around the world and meets Mitch and... Uh, oh, his brother. Yeah, does shit. Uh, like, they just went to Seattle to see a Royals game. Oh, wow. Well, um, that's good to hear that they're... that they're, that they're they're Yeah, yeah, they're... Uh, talking again. They're back together. They're, yeah. They, uh, of course, you know, when I needed them to be back together, when Brian and I were actually writing shit, yeah. you know, they're on the outs. Yeah. Like, why don't you call your brother? Fuck that guy. Fuck, <laughs> he just won an Emmy. Fuck him, you know? <laughs> so... My timing is always perfect. Uh, I may have said this on the podcast before, but Mitch Burgess, Brian Burgess's brother, he, 
like wrote and directed a lot of Sopranos. Right? Uh, didn't direct, but he, he wrote. He was a he was a, a, a exec producer, so he, he, it was just a writing title. But yeah, he was a okay. He won. I want to say I think he's got two Emmys. I think he's, he's got one for Southern uh, for Northern Exposure, mm-hmm. and at least one for Sopranos, maybe two. Okay, but he for sure has one uh, okay. a writing Emmy for this. Yeah, so he's like the, the big shit, and yeah. they're. You know him and him and his partner are you know millionaires many times over. They got a house in the U.S. Virgin Islands. They got a place in New York and wow, yeah, fucking right. And that's Brian's brother. And that's Brian's brother exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was funny one time he was on stage and uh, and he was having one of those he was having a rare set where he wasn't doing great and we we're in the back. All of us guys are in the back of the room. You know me and Justin and Chris Porter and uh, Baldwin or whoever was back there and. And Burgess wasn't doing real well. And it, he goes, I'm not eating it yet, boys. Because <laughs> <laughs> he could kind of hear a snicker and like, oh, even Burgess eats shit sometimes. And uh, yeah, I'm not eating it yet, boys. And it was funny. But one of my favorite things was to sit back there and, and one of those guys, who I won't mention any names, but there were, there were those guys we were talking about that would go up and would never get a laugh with their three minutes that they just refused to retire. Right. And every once in a blue fucking moon, they would get a laugh, and I would look at whoever was sitting next to me and go, well, that's going to keep them doing it two more years. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, man. And you know what? And I'm proud of you for still doing it, because there are so many cats that are not doing it anymore that are funny. Yeah. That were funny guys. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think of Burgess, I think of Leiter, I think of Brad Nelson. Um, Jason Dixon's not fucking Jason Dixon. They don't even know he does comedy. They didn't even know he ever did comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, because he runs the club in Richmond, Rowan, Rich Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another very funny cat. So yeah. yeah, dude, there's a bunch of funny people that just got beat down by it. Yeah. Um, Dixon also is uh, <laughs> giving me more pearls than just about anyone as far as like teaching me about certain things and I know I've said it on this podcast before but one of the best lines from Dixon was uh, somebody was eating shit and he comes up to me and I think I was next and he comes up to me and he goes now the crowd is like an abused housewife (laughs) they want to laugh at you but they're scared to (laughs) and he would just come by and drop knowledge like that you'd be like okay so in other words what he was saying was you know, if you don't, if it doesn't go well right off the bat, it's not your fault. They've got the abused housewife syndrome. Right. <laughs> you told them you'd never do it again, but they're not. They're not buying it yet. You know, that was a funny house. I lived with. Uh, I lived with uh, Dixon and Leiter when I was in when I was living in L.A. We I had, didn't know that. Yeah, we had an apartment in Hollywood. What did you do when you were in L.A.? Were you writing? I wrote for. Uh, I wrote for uh, Dilbert. And That's uh, right. Yeah, and then I got. To, we got hired to write for uh, um, Daddio with Michael Chiklis. Okay. And uh, it lasted four episodes. It was a summer replacement. It did well. And we got cycled out at, at Dilbert, and we got we got hired on at Daddio. And before we could take the, the gig, the show got canceled. Okay. So, and that was, in, and as you know, we we're out of cycle. Because, you know, everything gets done in the spring. There's pilot season. There's hiring season. And we were, like, in October. And I had a family back here. I had four kids back here, a wife and four kids under five years old. Okay. So I came back and said, well, you know, I'll, I'll do it again next year. And, uh, you know, how shit happens. I came right. back and life took over. And, yeah. you know, little did I know that was my shot. But, yeah, it was a, that was fun. That was, it was fun living with those guys. It was fun being in L.A. Yeah, but that's a, uh, that's a difficult, uh, it, I mean, writing as far as, like, you guys put in a shit ton of hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we did. It was, uh, and, it, you know, they weren't all hard hours, though, because, right. you know, sometimes you're not working on a particular thing or you're just you're just breaking stories and shit like that. But, yeah, dude, we were in the office every day for, you know, 10 hours or so. And ours was a little better because it was animation. Yeah. So we don't have to do live rewrites as they're shooting. Okay. Which, you know, when you're doing live action, your writers are right fucking there, especially if it's your especially if it's your episode or if you're running the room, if you're the ex pro. Okay. Running the room. You've got to be right there for rewrites as you're doing. Uh, your run-throughs and your fucking your rehearsal, and then the, even the, the taping itself. Okay. So that's the one good part about animation is uh, it doesn't it doesn't generally pay as much, but you don't have the crushing 70, 80 hour weeks that you sometimes have working on a on a live action sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot what the heck I was going to ask you about. Uh, oh well, it doesn't matter. Where did you start comedy here in KC? 
At Stanford's, dude. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I, 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 I have a weird. I won the. Uh, I was a big Sam Kinison fan. Yeah, me too. And KY one hundred and two had a uh, a Sam Kinison scream alike contest. Okay. And first prize was two front row tickets, and you got to meet Sam after the show. Oh yeah. So, for whatever reason, I had a pretty good impression, and I, I could do the scream. Yeah. And I went down to Stanford's and just and got up on stage and just lit it up, man. I just and, and killed it. Yeah. And the audience went nuts, and I got hooked. It was like the first fucking hit of whatever drug is your choice, you yeah. know? Like, holy shit, I want to do this again. Yeah. So, um, I met Kennison. I saw him. That was a, it. Was a fucking it was a it was a hoot. And uh, in fact, I got to open for him like years later, and I asked if he remembered me. And uh, wouldn't you know it? No, he had no fucking idea. Yeah, yeah. No memory of that at all. But so yeah, then the next week I wrote some material, and went up and did, did open mic night, and uh, that was it. Man, was the, he cool to you, Kennison? He was very cool. Yeah, yeah, he was a great guy. Yeah. He, uh, those were the, the fucking cocaine days. He was doing a little bit of blow. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he was a good, he was a you know nice guy. So. I read a book that his brother wrote, and it was a really interesting. Um, book and about him and his life and all that and when i was probably 10 <coughs> 10 or 11 we were living in my uh right after my parents divorced my my dad had i was living with my dad and we moved into my grandparents basement and we had this tv down there and the hbo rodney dangerfield's young comedian special came on and kennison was one of the guys and yeah he did like five to seven minutes and he did that bit about ethiopia and uh you know jesus and all this stuff and that, that the, the Ethiopia thing probably still one of my top five oh, bits the, of, of all time that anybody's yeah. ever done. You see what this is? It's sand. You know what's going to be a hundred years? It's going to be sand. <laughs> you live in the fucking desert. You need to go where the food is. God, the, the, we have deserts <laughs> in America. We just don't live in them. <laughs> Which you know is funny for the people in Vegas and Phoenix, but yeah, we live in them a little bit. But yeah. we plan a little better. Yeah, we got yeah. a little more infrastructure than the fucking guys in, in Kenya. But oh yeah, that's a uh, yeah, so that's that was that was so it was a very traditional start, and then I got to know Bastille, and I was did, I probably did open mic night for uh, I don't know close to a year maybe, mm-hmm. um, and starting to get first starting to get a few gigs around like I did uh, I went and did Papa Frank's. Did you ever do Papa Frank's in Parkville? No, I never did that one. It was a it was a spaghetti joint, and okay. you got uh, you got twenty five bucks and a free meal. Nice. And that's the first that's the first time anybody ever handed me cash. Yeah. For doing comedy. So, you know, you do little gigs like that around. And then Bastille, like I said, took me on the road. And uh, he took, we went to, the first, our first step was Daytona Beach, Florida. And we're fucking, a week after I'm working at at and I'm hanging out in a fucking hotel room with Bastille and Jay Leno. Because nice. they were buddies from Boston. Okay. And that's where Frankie kind of cut his comedy chops in Boston. He knew all those, Lenny and Blake Clark and... Kenny Rogerson and, you know, of course, Leno and, and all those fuckers. In a weekend, you probably thought, this is how it's going to be all right. the time. Right, dude. I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the beach in Florida <laughs> with Jay Leno. I go, fuck, how can I not be? I could have yeah. not been doing this earlier. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, that, was, it, uh, that wasn't quite how it worked. Yeah. But, uh, and, th- yeah, that same day, I, that same trip I worked for, uh, I opened for uh, um, the guy from Wild Cherry. He was the guitar player. For Wild Cherry, that did okay. uh, play that funky music. Okay. So that was like his whole the you know that, that the riff at the beginning. <laughs> that was that was his whole life right yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm opening for quote unquote famous people and uh, hanging out with Jay Leno, and I'm like, oh yeah, I should have been doing this years ago. Yeah. And yeah, it was a. The it next, was a struggle. It the was... Next week you're in Pignuckle, Arkansas, making eight <laughs> bucks in a cheese sandwich. That's about right. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, yeah, and then you know, two days later. Yeah, I'm, I'm in downtown Atlanta trying to score a fucking uh, a shot of heroin for Bastille. Like, so the so the road's not all glory. Is that what you're going to say say to me, Frank? Yeah, I, um, Emo Phillips was also on that young comedian special with Sam Kinison and Andrew Dice Clay and all those guys. And years later, I was featuring for him at the Funny Bone in St. Louis, and I gave him a ride back to his hotel, and he was like, "Would you like to smoke some marijuana?" And I'm like. With Emo Phillips, like I didn't say that, but I'm like, right, yeah. And we went up to he had this. There was a rooftop pool, and we went up and we sat by the pool and smoked weed. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, I can't tell you how surreal this is to me to be. I was like, you were on that special that kind of planted the seed that I was going to do this someday. I didn't really realize it at ten, right? But it, 
in the back of my mind my whole life I knew that I was going to do this on some level and uh, I was like I just can't tell you how surreal it is for me to be smoking pot with Emo Phillips on a rooftop pool and he's like that's interesting. <laughs> you know, he was just like, I don't give a shit. Well, it was pretty cool that he was in a hotel, because you used to hear stories about him fucking staying at the bus station. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, he'd, he'd, they'd give him a hotel room, he'd check in, and then he'd go hang out in the bus station for two days. Huh. He is definitely a different breed of cat. That guy is so funny. And and a lot, and lot some of his stuff was way too smart for the crowd in St. Louis. They were just kind of staring at him. And the, I'm sure. I remember the booker, Matt Barron's looking at me, and he was like, he was like, I can't believe they didn't laugh at that. If I wrote if if I wrote a joke that smart in my entire career, I'd be, you know, I mean, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but um, basically what he's saying was, I can't believe they didn't fucking laugh at that. That was brilliant. Yeah, you and every once in a while you'd work with people like that. You'd, yeah. you'd start thinking you knew a little something, or maybe you'd had a fucking great week at a standing O or something like, yeah. fuck, I'm on top of the world. And then you'd work with somebody, and they and they didn't have to be a headliner. You could have been headlining. You work with some feature. Yeah, but they fucking would have a joke or even their whole set, and you're like, God damn, just, I'm a, just a mutt. I don't know nothing. This is fucking stupid, you yeah. know. I'm never going to be as good as that guy. And every once in a while it would happen, you know. Because comics, we all have to, we all have egos. Sure. Because to do what we do, you have to have an ego. To get up in front of people for 45 minutes to an hour with just a microphone, you got to have an ego. Yeah. So for somebody to break through that ego and, and make you feel like shit, yeah. uh, it's, Took talent, you know. There was yeah. some, but there was definitely some people that I saw that we went, "Holy shit, I can't believe that." Yeah, uh, Jay Scott Holman, who was on my podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, How's he doing, by the way? He's doing pretty well. He's trying to get his me- medication uh, regulated, which you know wipes him out a lot. But he went off his medication for a week to come to LA. To he said so he could eat because he was like, you know, this medication really makes me. Uh, he's lost like 40 pounds. He was like, it just takes away my appetite. So I'm off these medications. What is that medication, by the way, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get cancer first. Oh, God damn it. Always a catch. <laughs> um, so he came out there and, and he was like, I'm off the meds because I want to enjoy my vacation and I want to eat for a week. And uh, But for some reason, what you're talking about made me think of, uh, I, have, I still do the joke actually about, it, it's a joke about my dog shitting in other people's yards and he goes he goes he told me one time he goes if i was a less ethical man i'd steal that dog shit joke (laughs) (laughs) i love jay scott Holman. his cd his live cd is the i've got to get him to send me one because it's it's the only cd i've ever sat down with my mother and was like, Mom, you have got to listen to this. This is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And we laughed. And uh, that'll segue into nicely into this. I've had a really great time here uh, this week just hanging out with my mom. At night, like, we would, we're both night owls, and we've been having conversations from, like, they start at, like, midnight, and around 3 in the morning, I'm like, all right, Mom, I've got to go back to Jimmy's, my brother, where I've been sleeping, because my right. sister's also staying with my mom, and I'm like... I gotta go to bed, you know, but, uh... That's fantastic, man. Yeah, we've, we've really gotten closer in the last six months to a year, and, uh, uh, I really enjoyed the hell out of it, but I don't know if you listen to my podcast, Mom, but I love you very much, and, uh, that also brings me to this, which is, how many kids do you have, four? I have four, yeah. Are they all girls? I have three girls and a boy. Okay. What was harder to raise? Um, you know, by the time, because my, my son is, uh, part of the twins and they're the youngest okay so by the time we got to them we pretty much just fucking stopped caring we're just (laughs) phoning it in um how old are they uh my my oldest is uh 25 my uh second oldest is 23 and then the twins are 21 just turned 21 in february okay and uh yeah they were uh you know what dude it was uh it's it's all about personalities like my my oldest daughter she was very very uh Easy to raise. She, like we told the story that you know, at about two years old or so, we'd we'd hear her get up, and my wife and I, we you know, we knew we could sleep. We could sleep another half hour or so before we had to get up and, and deal with her because she would get some cereal out, have herself a bowl of cereal, sit down, watch TV. Everything was fine. My next daughter, my my one that's twenty three now. My God, if you heard her feet hit the ground, somebody needed to fucking be up now. Yeah. Because there was going to be a peanut butter sandwich in the VCR or some fucking piece of electronics was going to be taken apart. There was going to be some sort of goddamn shenanigans yeah. that needed to be stopped. So yeah. it's more about the personality of the, of the kid to me than it is about the sex. Yeah. Um, of course, and it was cool to have a boy because 
Uh, I finally had somebody, you know, that I could, I could watch sports with. And, you know, because I was, I played ball growing up and, you know, and all that. And I wanted to have a son yeah. that, uh, that I could enjoy that stuff. And, and he became a huge sports fan. He played, uh, you know, quarterback all the way through school. And um, he's, you know, a great kid. He's a, he's a, He's an engineering student. He's going into his senior year of uh, going to be an architectural engineer. Cool. And uh, he's a band geek. He plays a uh, plays trombone in the marching band at K State. Nice. So uh, yeah, and they're dude, they're all great kids. It's I, I I give my wife almost all the credit. She uh, very very even keel, smart person. Um, and I'm sure you did it as well. The, the key, pick somebody smart. Yeah. Pick if you can't find somebody fucking smarter than you. And oh, with I, me, that wasn't hard. I definitely did that. Yeah. Uh, right, we're I'm out, I'm out way over my skis. <laughs> so, um, absolutely, that's the if if the, if I have one piece of sage old man wisdom to give today, other than don't do comedy. Yeah, it's if you're going to get married and start a family, get somebody fucking smart. Yeah, way smarter than you. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely found that um, she's going to be a great mother, and uh, and she's already like she already is a good mother. Like she's already. You know, just doing the right things and taking really good care of herself, and uh, yeah, I, I I tell her all the time. I'm like, God, I hope he gets your brain because I just you know, like she'll edit podcasts for me and shit and do this and that, and I'm just like, she tries to explain it to me, and I'm like, you may as well be talking to a monkey right now. My wife's the same way with technology, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. She's good at it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. She's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, I'm. I could barely like. What's the problem? You haven't turned it on yet. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I always forget. Yeah. Have my, you guys baby proofed it? Everything? Have you done all that shit? Not yet. We've got about four months yet left, but uh, they've already started buying diapers and and uh, you know we're gonna do the nursery when I get home and uh, I'll be home on Monday actually, but in in August I'm home quite a bit and we're gonna. We're going to do the whole nursery deal and all that, and uh, we've al- already got him, like, a bunch of cute little T-shirts and all that shit, so... We do, you, just, do you hope he wrestles? Oh, yeah, of course I hope he does, but I'm also not going to force him into it. I'm just going to watch a lot of it, and hopefully one day he'll come up and be like, Daddy, can I wrestle? And I'll wipe the tear out of my eye and be like, yes, you can wrestle. You know, <laughs> and I think you're probably like me, where I had some success uh, playing football growing up. You had some success, success wrestling. Um so we don't feel that need to live vicariously yeah. through your kids. I, I never pushed my son to do anything. I never pushed him to play football. I never pushed him in any direction because I had a good run. I had I had a good run at sports. Yeah. I didn't need to live through my son. I wanted him to do. Yeah. I, you know, it was great that he caught the fever like I did. Yeah. And uh, enjoyed it and loved and loved the game like I did. That was fantastic. But yeah, I'm th- and I'm sure you're going to be like me. You're not going to put him in fucking. Uh, I don't know what head guard headgear, yeah. head, headgear at, at, at a year old. And, no, how come I can't hear anything, Dad? <laughs> I thought I had a hearing problem. You just fucking take the headgear off. No, I'm smart enough to know that as much as I love that sport and I would love him to do it because it it's it's a great sport for a lot of reasons. But I also am smart enough to know that it's not for everyone. Right. And I don't even know if I would have done it had it not been kind of forced upon me. I remember the first wrestling practice we went to, we were lost and we couldn't find the wrestling room in the high school. And I remember in my little seven-year-old brain thinking, maybe we won't find it at all and I can go home. Like, <laughs> probably, probably some fucking cartoons on, some cereal to eat, some shit to do. Yeah, I mean, but now that I look back on it, if it wasn't for that sport, I don't know how screwed I would be. <laughs> Dude, I uh, when I was when I was in college, I was in a fraternity and uh, they had nobody to... Uh, they, in intramurals, they had no one to wrestle at my weight class. We had a heavyweight guy, but I was like 195 or whatever. They had nobody, I don't know, whatever that is, cruiserweight or <laughs> uh, whatever yeah. that weight class is below heavyweight. So you had, you, just for participation points, Okay. you had to, you know, you had to wrestle. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm elected. You know, I was like a pledge or whatever. You don't really have a choice. Yeah. So I wrestled and the first guy, he never wrestled either. So I actually beat him somehow. Okay. The second guy had wrestled before. Yeah. And, you know, you start to, you know, I'm 20, 19, whatever. I'm a little cocky. You're like, oh, yeah, I can fucking, you know, he, I got a little size on him. I think I can take him. Yeah. And it was literally about eight seconds. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, I don't even know my body can fucking move like that. And like, <laughs> I'm fucking I'm tap out or something. That my shoulders hit the goddamn ground. Fire a gun, whatever. Just let me out of this shit. Yeah. Um, it is, 
it is a very, very difficult sport to do well. Yeah. Uh, that's what I learned. And then my son actually wrestled for a year in high school, and he uh, he had pretty much my same record of success at wrestling. He never won a match. Yeah. Um, but, you know, goddamn, I'll tell you what, you'll never get anything to get you in shape like yeah. being on the wrestling team. And, and no matter how good a shape you're in, <coughs> even, even when you're wrestling and in that kind of shape, there are some matches where you're just like, when it's over, you're just like, I've thrown up after matches right. and that kind of shit and just being like, you know, like especially the first match of the day. Um, and it's just, yeah, it'll kick your ass. And no matter le- what level you get to, there's always somebody who can kick your ass. Right. Like style matchups or whatever the case may be. Right. I was undefeated state champ my senior year of high school, 30-0, and zero, and my first college tournament a guy took me down more in one match than I probably got taken down in four years of high school. It just kicked my ass all over the place. He just he just had, he just knew how to take me down. And uh, I've told this story on another podcast. I don't know if I have on mine, but my first college tournament, I showed up and looked at my bracket, and this kid that I just idolized when I was in like eighth grade, and he was a senior, was in my bracket. And I was like, shit, if I win my first match, I got to wrestle Brian Roberts. And so I won my first match, and then I went and I watched Brian Roberts wrestle this kid I idolized when I was in 7th, 8th grade. And I watched him get the shit beat out of him by, like, 12 points. Oh, shit. So this guy just beat my idol by 12 points. Right. And that's the guy that I wrestled, and I was already mentally fucked. Right. And I think he took me down, like, 12 times in one match. Just kept taking me down and letting me up and beat me, like, 28 to 13 or some shit. Like a football score. Why do you keep hitting yourself? Why do you keep hitting yourself? And then he didn't even win the fucking tournament. He got in the finals and got beat by some other monster. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this this isn't as fun as high school where I'd cut all that weight, but I knew I was going to win. Right. I'm cutting all this weight, and I might get the shit beat out of me. This is... So, That's a lose-lose, my friend. Yeah. I got free, a free two years out of school out of it. Now that I'm still at 43 paying for paying off two and a half years of a student loan, um, I wish I would have just wrestled the next two years and, and not had any loans. But anyway, um, that's here and over there. We should probably wrap this up. We're about 56 minutes. But I've enjoyed the hell out of talking to you. It was fun, man. Yeah. It, was, it was a blast. I'm, uh, I love catching up on old times. And, yeah. Uh, we could have talked for two hours, but I got to get my ass to Springfield. Yeah, dude, you got to get down there and, uh, and do your thing. And get my bottled water for free. <laughs> Take advantage of that. Fucking <laughs> stock up because you never know when the next club might be charging you. Yeah. Congratulations on all your success, too, man. I see you. Uh, I live vicariously through you, you know, on Facebook. I see your shit and you, you, uh, your name and lights, your, your face and lights in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, that's very cool. I know your pod's doing well. So uh, I, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on, man. And oh, so, I'm glad. I'm glad we could do it. And uh, it's a shame Burgess isn't here. But uh, fuck that guy. We're yeah. gonna get him next time, man. Yeah, we are. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call his ass, and he won't know this because he'll never listen to this podcast. Um, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> but what I'll do is I'll just call him just to talk, and I'll just record the conversation. And at the end, I'll be like, "Hey, Brad, I recorded that whole thing, and you were just on episode 75 of the Tim Gaither podcast." He'll be like, "You prick! Don't you put that up?" And I'll be like, "You couldn't find." Anyway, motherfucker, bye. <laughs> Click. Next time we do, next time you're in town, we'll go to lunch. Bring your computer with you. Yeah. Just set it up like you're working on your laptop, like you got it right there. Right. You know, just tell him it's a special fucking internet extension. It's your microphone. He won't fucking know. Yeah. And we'll just re- <laughs> just run it for an hour, and you'll you'll have a show, dude. Yeah. Yesterday, when I was like, uh, you know, maybe we could just do a call-in podcast. He all st- all, all of a sudden started backpedaling on me. He's like, yeah, well, I don't know if I, I could just. Uh, Steen loves that old. He loves the whole Facebook and social media, and I'm a complete 180 and I'm like all right Brian just relax we're not gonna put you on the podcast if you don't want to be <laughs> nobody from the third grade is gonna be fucking finding Burgess <laughs> I'm like if you're not on social media they can't find you on social media like, right uh, is that how it works yes dumb dumb <laughs> god damn Kaczynski uh anyway um you got any anything you want to plug anybody can find you anything um no man I'm a I'm I, I I'm in a very weird place. I, I work for uh, I work for a couple sites that do sports bet picks. Uh, main thing I do is I work for a place called WinnersAndWiners.com. We do uh, we do capsules on every game. We predict every every game of every sport in America. So if you got any sports betters out there, I don't know what uh, you probably got a few in your crowd. Uh, check us out. I do my pod every day. Okay. Uh, I do uh, I do bank the bet every day where I do my own picks and have a guest on. So if you got sports betters out there, come find me. Uh, winners and Winers, check it out. We do good stuff. If you're not a sports better. 
uh, fuck it, you're not going to enjoy it at all. Okay. So. And, and you make it, You do you still make money on doing online poker and shit? Uh, occasionally. I don't have I don't have a lot of time, but yeah, it's a, I did that for a couple of years. That was my main job when, yeah. I, uh, when I was running open mic night and playing poker. I yeah, was, uh, I remember that. Poker is uh, definitely a skill game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not, there's no luck really. Oh, there is. I mean, you can still get fucked by a bad, by a bad river card, but yeah. You know, it's like anything else. The more you play, the more you do it, uh, the more the luck goes away. Yeah, which is why there's, you know, I, I love that movie Rounders, and they talk about it's a great they, movie. They touch on that a little bit. He's like, it's not luck. Do you know why they're the same four guys are in the fucking right. finals every year and all that shit? That was, that was a really good movie. Um, so winnersandwiners.com. Yep. Um, also, I, I write some stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a fun site, a place called Hash Sports, um, uh, hash, hashsports.com. It's, uh, if you ever want to read, like, funny shit that I write where I can freelance a little bit. Okay. Um, I do stuff for them, and, and I do a weekly pod for them as well. Cool. Um, so, yeah, come come find me. I'm a, I'm out there on the interwebs. I'm doing my best to scare Brian Burgess. <laughs> so, yeah, don't look me up. Thanks for the plug, man. Yeah, you bet. Uh, and always go to timgathercomedy.com and find out all my social media links are on there. You can follow me on all that shit that matters these days. And, uh... As always, go to Making It Happen, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon. And, uh, yeah, timgathercomedy.com. See you when I'm coming to a city near you. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. God bless all of you. Bye.